Would you turn with me this morning to the uh, book of Isaiah and the ninth chapter. We're going to do something different from our series this morning, something I have on my heart. I'd like for you to believe with me for utterance. I want to do it just right. And I would ask you to be very open in your hearts and minds and thinking this morning. Isaiah 9. If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, hold up your hand. We have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one. We appreciate everybody that's visiting with us this morning. and Everybody visiting with us online. Uh, we value very highly the Bible, the Word of the Lord, and the Holy Spirit, our teacher and our guide. And in, you know, seeing what to speak about and what to preach and teach on, look to Him. Right? Uh, There's all kind of things that can lead you And you have to watch about trying to be seasonally correct, holiday correct, politically correct, hmm? denominationally correct, (laughs) regionally correct. You can get so caught up in being so correct that you just have no anointing at all. And no revelation. And nobody was offended. But nobody got anything either. (laughs) Um, I would like for us to, to think about this morning the meaning of Christmas. The meaning of Christmas. Isaiah 9 and verse 6, have you found it? If you're not sure where to look in the Bible, look, look on with your neighbor. And we've got scriptorians all through this auditorium. They can help you find Isaiah quickly. Isaiah 9 and verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born. Unto us... A son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Unto us a child is born unto us, unto us. Somebody say unto us. To us a child is born. To us a son is given. Say that out loud, please. To us... A son is given. 
This to me sums up what people call Christmas. I want us to examine Christmas because there, I think there's some things we need to differentiate and distinguish. Uh, what is Christmas? Where did it come from and what is it supposed to be? The word Christmas is two words, Christ, Mass. I suppose originally it was two S's. Mass, like, a, like what a Catholic service is called, a Mass. Christ, Mass. Mass having to do with the gathering of the people. And of course, do you know who the Christ is? So a mass or a service, a gathering about the Christ. Well, that would be a good thing. Right? A service about the Christ. Who and what is the Christ? Well, like one minister said, Christ is not just Jesus' last name. (laughs) No. What, What does Christ mean? Christ means literally... Anointed. Anointed. And and there's something that goes with that. uh, Him being the anointed Messiah. The one who fulfilled all the prophecies of the Old Testament and and the prophets. Of the one who was to come. That would be the Redeemer. Glory to God. He is the sent one. The anointed one. Anointed to do what? To be our Redeemer. Oh, glory to God. Go to John 3, please. John, the third chapter. While you're turning there, say it out loud again. Unto us. A child is born. Unto us. A son is given. In the book of John, in the third chapter, 3.16, John 3.16, Mr. says, I already know that one, <laughs> I doubt it, <laughs> you might know that much about it. What does it say? For God so loved the world that He gave. Let's just stop right there. Gave. I know the Lord spoke to me in a time of prayer one time. And it stuck with me. This, this is the words that came up in my spirit. Giving is the chief, the, the great manifestation of love. It's the chiefest, the greatest manifestation of love. Now, when I first heard it, I thought, giving is the greatest manifestation of love, the chief manifestation of love. Is that right? Is that right? 
And while I'm, while I'm thinking that, this scripture came up with, with force in my spirit. For God so loved the world that he what? That he yelled from heaven. I love you. Telling people you love them is great. But is it the greatest manifestation of real love? No, it is not. You can tell people you love them and give them nothing. Right? Didn't, didn't say that God so loved the world that he said, I feel for you. God so loved the world that he felt. Oh, he had feelings. Feelings are not the great manifestation of love. You can love somebody you have bad feelings about. Oh, when you learn this, it'll set you free. You learn this, it'll deliver you from the pettiness of your emotions. It will set you free from memories of bad stuff in the past with people. You can feel like slapping somebody and telling them what to do and where to go and giving them a piece of your mind and you can control that and instead give them something. That is godly. Because the Bible said He loved us in Romans, it says, while we were yet His enemies. So we were not giving him warm and fuzzy feelings. (laughs) We were not pleasing him. We were at enmity against him. We were sinners and running against him. And in spite of all that, he, he was not. You know, people say, well, you know, God loves you just the way you are. That's not a scripture. He loves you in spite of the way. You are. People say, well, if you love me, you have to love me the way I am. No, I'm sorry. We do not have to love all the ways that you are. No, we do not. God does not, nor do we have to. We can despise your ways and love you. Hmm? People say, well, if you love me, you have to accept my lifestyle. No, we don't. To accept that this is who I am. You are what you have become, not what you have to be. Did you hear that? You are what you have become, not what you have to be. You are called, predestined. To be conformed unto His image and likeness and be just like Him. That's what the Father loves. He loves the way Jesus is. Right? Can you be like that? You're being conformed to that as we speak. You ought to be much more like that by next year the Lord tears is coming than you are right now. Are you with me? God so loved the world that He what? Gave. He gave what? Gave His only begotten Son 
that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Every word is so powerful and important. So much of religion, Christianity religion, involves condemnation. So much of it does. And we we must watch, every one of us must watch, I must watch everything I say, everything I preach and teach. You must watch everything you tell somebody else about the Word or about God. You are not to try to make somebody feel bad or feel guilty or ashamed about anything, ever. Did you hear me? Well, they're wrong, and it's bad, and it's wrong. Maybe so. But it is not your job to make them feel bad about it. In fact, it's getting away from God. Jesus did not come to condemn the world. That's what that word condemn means. It has to do with to find guilty. To You know, sometimes people say, well, you, they just don't see... How bad it is. They don't feel bad enough about it. How bad does God want them to feel about it? Well, they need to see how bad it is. And people sometimes, they think they have to, I have to go around and I can't be around y'all and I can't be involved in this or that. Why? Because I've messed up. And they're trying to show other people how bad I feel about it and how guilty I am as though that's a good thing. You're either forgiven or you're not. You're either cleansed or you're not. Right? He is the glory and the lifter of our head. Now let me stop right here. Repent doesn't just mean feel bad about it. Repent means change. Now if you're unwilling to change, that's another issue. It's going to be tough for you to get out of condemnation. Because you're going to keep doing the thing that caused you to have it to begin with. But if you're willing to change. And you'll confess your sin and ask God to forgive you. Then there is no need for you to go one more moment feeling bad about it. In fact, it displeases the Lord for you to. And he did not tell you to go around moping and, and beating yourself over the head about it to show him how serious you know it is. All you're showing him is that you don't believe in the power of the blood. People say, yeah, but you don't know what I did, preacher. You don't know how bad it is. Yeah, and you don't know how powerful the blood is. Is it true? That the blood of the Master can cleanse you, wash you from any stain, any... I don't care how bad. I don't, murder. I don't care. I don't care what it is. The blood is more powerful. And if you'll confess your sin, He is what? Faithful, faithful, faithful and just to forgive you 
of your sin. If he tells you he forgave you, can you believe it? Can you accept? Did he really do it? And, and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What does that mean? That means then you stand up from that place of repentance as clean as though you never made a mistake. Then why should you feel bad and guilty? Only because you don't believe it. Or you're unwilling to change. Neither one of them do you have to do. Unto us, child is born. Unto us, a son is, hear the word, given. God so loved the world that he gave, gave. Let's go back to talking about, more specifically, the subject of Christmas, Christ Mass. Technically, it's defined as a Christmas feast or a celebration, on December 25th, among some others, on January 7th. So I said, what? Yeah. <laughs> some hold that January 7th is actually the day. And both of them, whether it's December 25th or January 7th, commemorate the birth of Christ, usually observed as a legal holiday. Uh, Christ Mass. It is a big thing to us. Isn't it? Oh, it is. People set time aside. It's, it's one of the biggest things of the year, without question. Right? And uh, it involves... Uh, Santa Claus, very heavily, and Rudolph, right, and Frosty, right, very, very heavily, <laughs> yeah, somebody said Scrooge, I was about to say, say that, and the list goes on, and people go to extents during this time to do things and accomplish things that they don't any other time of the year. They uh, set aside their, their jobs, their business. They travel great distances, and they spend money. They spend money, and businesses count on Christmas, don't they? Uh, a lot of businesses say that it's the final weeks of Christmas that make the year for them. They're just kind of making it the rest of the time. It's Christmas that puts them in the black. <laughs> you see, wish you could see the faces all across. People are like, what's he going to say about Christmas? <laughs> well, I'd asked you to believe with me to say the right thing. So are you with me or are you again me? You with me or again me? Okay, good, good. <laughs> what we should examine is why we do what we do. Right? Why do we put up the decorations? Why do we put up the tree? Why do we buy the presents? Is there any scripture 
that says, December 25th shall be a day above all days unto you. Huh? Did the Lord say, be watchful and careful to commemorate my birth? And this do. No. No. I know of no scripture that directs us to have such a celebration. (laughs) Are you with me? So what is it? It's tradition. I said it's tradition. And it's a mixture. Now don't, don't get upset. I got a tree at my house. Big tree. Decorated up. I got, I got, we got presents. Huh? Yeah. Staff is getting off for, you know, the holiday, Christmas time. But I do believe that we should examine this and see what's the Lord and what's not. And not just mix everything together and act like all the stuff we're doing is the Lord. Did you hear me? When a lot of it he has nothing to do with. And if you're going to do it, okay, but at least acknowledge this is just what we're doing. (laughs) Don't try to make some holy thing out of it that the Lord never said. Easter, which I really don't use that word as much. I, I prefer the word resurrection Sunday. It's very much the same way. Hmm? Did the Lord tell us? To have a day on a time. And he told, tell us to have a certain kind of celebration. Now, I did a little research and the best I can tell, I am not aware of anybody that knows the day or the week or even the month that the master was born in. And somebody tells you they know, you better check it out. Did you hear me? So don't tell your children on this night Jesus was born. You don't know that. We know, this is the important thing, he was born. Is it okay to have a special time to rejoice about him being born? I don't see a problem with it. But you could do it more than once a year. Right? read some scripture to you while we're having so much fun. (laughs) Preachers are afraid to talk about these things, especially on Christmas Eve service. (laughs) That's just like asking for trouble, they would think. Brother Keith, you might lose some people. Well, people go to one extreme, then they go, "Well, I just have to preach the truth." You know, if you can't ha- you can't handle it, well, there's the door. You know, or you know, so scared that you're going to offend that you can't say anything that might offend. Well, I don't believe in either one of those positions. What if we don't like it? We want to go. I, I I wouldn't like that. I don't want you to go. 
Did you hear me? You won't hear me say, well, if you don't like it, there's the door. You will not hear me say that. I don't feel that way. I don't believe that. Right? And I pray, Lord, help me. I want to be strong. And I don't want to be weak. But at the same time, I don't want to do and say anything that would unnecessarily offend and alienate somebody because of my ignorance. Lack of knowledge. I don't want to do that. Right? So if you think, well, you know, I think Brother Keith's just off on that. Well, okay, it's possible. But try to ha- try to see my heart. Right? I could be wrong on something. You could be wrong on something too. I've found this to be true. A man or a woman, a man or a woman's heart, much more important than their doctrine. Their spirit is really the word I was trying to say. Their spirit is much more important than their doctrine because all of us just know in part. Hmm? And that's where all the parts you don't know is where the problem comes in. You can be wrong, not even know it, not even see it. Because of all the stuff you don't know. Which is all the more reason why we need to speak when the Bible speaks. And not fill in the blanks when it doesn't. And not just make stuff up and say it's God and Bible. We need to discipline ourselves. Right? And I want us to, to, to use this opportunity to examine this and then take it not just from Christmas time and season, but to take it into the new year and begin to do it with every area of your life. Is this really God? Is this really Bible? Or is it just tradition and stuff that we've gotten used to? Go with me, please. To the book of uh, Mark. Mark 7. You got a few more minutes for this this morning? I've got some things at the end I think you'll really maybe enjoy better. (laughs) But we got to get there. We, we, We can't bypass them. Just skip all this and go to that. No. No. Believe with me. Believe with me. Utterance. Just right. Mark 7. Mark 7. And uh, 1. Then came together to him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. Now these are the most religious people of their day and era. These people that spent all their time studying the scriptures. And when they saw some of Jesus' disciples eat bread with defile, that is to say with unwashing hands, they found fault. They judged. They criticized. The Pharisees and all the Jews, except they washed their hands often, eat not, holding what? The tradition of the... So where did they get it? They got it from daddy and mama and them. And grandpa and grandma and them. 
And where did grandpa and grandpa and Mo and them get it? They got it from their Mo and Pa. See, the problem with tradition is that you've been taught it all your life. And it seems like Bible to you. Because people that you knew and loved or know and love believed in it strong and taught you that. And so you believe in it strong. But for the last ten generations, nobody's had any scripture for it. Oh, but it's held dearly. And you you better watch it. Because you'll make folks mad. Hmm? Oh, people get mad over the traditions. And I'm beginning to read this passage, but have you read the gospel accounts enough to see? This is one of the biggest areas where Jesus had trouble. Didn't he? Oh, man. He had so much trouble because of what? Because he went crosswise of their traditions. Didn't he? Oh, it made them mad. Made them so mad they wanted to kill him. Right? Has Jesus changed? No. Would he still cross up your traditions today? Yes. Huh? What if we had Jesus in the flesh right here this morning? And he's sitting on the platform here. And uh, you and I had had some questions. We could sit down and say, Master... How do you like our Christmas celebrations? <laughs> Jesus, what do you think about Santa Claus? <laughs> How do you like the way we do it? <laughs> Is that important? Well, that was a little weak. Cause <laughs> Not just Christmas, but everything. Why, why are you talking about Christmas? Why are you picking on Christmas, Brother Keith? I'm not picking on Christmas. Anything we put this much time and effort and money into bears another look. Right? And if you can't even find one scripture for it, You, you better check again. Oh boy. <laughs> what did our text say? Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. Is that important? That's Bible. That's important. Right? Is it, is it good to celebrate that? Yes. yes. Not just one time a year. Right? Is it, is it right to make a big deal out of that? Yes. Yes. Uh, they got upset with him because the disciples didn't wash their hands like they did. Now, I know we may think that's, that's silly. But apparently they believed... That cleanliness is next to godliness was actually a verse. (laughs) That it is not. 
But you'll have people go, well, now I just believe that this is right. And this is, uh, this is just fine and good and this way it ought to be based on what? They had done this. They had received it from their fathers and their fathers before them. And here Jesus helpers weren't doing it. Wonder why they weren't doing it. It was religious tradition everywhere. Wonder why they weren't doing it. Well, they're under Jesus. And he might ask them one day, why are you doing that? <laughs> well, Lord, we all, he said, did I tell you to do that? No. Then why are you doing it? So they didn't do it. And when they didn't do it, oh, my word. Ripples went through the church. You not washing your hands. And the way they did it, they had a certain ritual. I mean, you clench your fist and you'd wash this way and this way and you'd wash a certain way. And then you'd have to wash away so that you didn't touch the uh, uh, clean against anything unclean after that. And so his disciples just came in. Maybe I guess they didn't even wash it all. I don't know. They just sat down and started eating. They went, I thought y'all were Christians. Believers. What, 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 what did we do? You didn't wash. <laughs> we, we have to wash this, don't we? The Pharisees asked him, why are your disciples not walking according to the traditions of the elders? They ate bread with unwashing hands. Can you believe it? And he answered them and said, How many of Jesus was concerned at all about being politically correct? <laughs> and not causing waves? This would have been a good place to go, Oh, I'll tell them to wash up right away. He could have saved himself so much trouble. If he had just said, You know, wash your hands. Boys, wash your hands. Sorry. He could have saved himself so much trouble. But he would have lended his credibility to a lie. Are you with me now? He, people believed in him and looked up to him as he's walking the earth and teaching him. And if he had done that, then it would have been like him saying, yes, this is God. Right? And and all y'all need to do it too. And there's no scripture behind it. God never said anything about it. And he went on to say, he said to them, instead of that, boys wash up, he said, well, did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites? Here it goes. How many know the disciples are probably going, oh no. Oh man. This is not going to turn out nice. <laughs> you got to understand who's there. The guys with all the degrees and their robes. I mean, they're, they're high up in the social strata of the community and religious order. They're the heads of the synagogues. 
Why didn't you guys wash up, you know, like we all do? According to the traditions of the elders, he said, Isaiah prophesied right about you hypocrites. (laughs) Hypocrites. He said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. He said, they talk and they talk and they talk, but their heart is nowhere around God. Howbeit in vain do they worship me. Now that's strong. He said, they they who? Well, he's talking to them. (laughs) Is he just get through telling them that the whole bunch of them are worshiping God for nothing? In vain? He said, in vain do they worship me teaching for doctrines the commandments of Men, you know, we started this church out, didn't we? The first series we we taught here. Do you remember it? Works and ways of Jesus we talked about. And we talked about tradition or truth. And the Lord's calling me back to it. Did you hear me? What I mean by that is revisit those thoughts and examine everything. Examine everything we're doing. Is it just our... Western ways. How many know there's charismatic tradition just like there's other kinds? There's word of faith tradition just like there's other kinds. There, you know, Branson tradition. Whatever. Well, here's the problem with tradition. Let's keep reading. In vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. And he said to them, full well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. Is he pleased with them about this? No, he is not. Is this serious? Here's the problem with this kind of tradition. It is a substitute for the real thing. It is a replacement for God's Word. And therein lies the real danger. I was in another city up north just recently. And I went through a community. And man, there was some kind of... Bustle and hustle on uh, ornaments. There was a Santa Claus in every yard. And a Frosty. And everywhere. Reindeer. And I was talking to one guy. And bless his heart, the guy had a heart attack and two or three operations. And I forget, he had a ruptured disc in his back. The man was in bad shape. They weren't expecting him to live. And he mustered his strength, though, and about killed himself putting Santa Claus up in his yard and his lights. I mean, no no exaggeration now. The man was risking his life out there in the front yard for what? And as I drove through, I wasn't thinking much about it. As I drove through, 
the, the house, and there were nice communities, and house after house, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Frosty, Frosty, Rudolph, Rudolph, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Frosty, Frosty, Rudolph, Santa Claus, Santa, I'm talking about different houses. Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, and Mrs. Claus, and elves, and reindeer, and more Frosties. And the Lord asked me, he said, where am I in Christmas? He wasn't in any of their yards or any mention of him. What's wrong with Santa Claus? People say, well, I taught on Santa Claus a while back at length, and it's in the word supply. I won't try to get into it today, but we went through it. And and don't just assume you know what I said. It It might surprise you. But here's a problem with Santa Claus. In much of this country, Santa Claus has replaced the Christ. And you may think that's an exaggeration. It is not. Santa Claus has replaced the Christ. Is that okay? No. No. Is it a problem? We need to examine what, what's going on. Why we're doing what we're doing. Let, let go to uh, Colossians, the second chapter. I know this might not have been what you were thinking about this morning to hear, but I believed the Lord directed me. And uh, if you think I missed it, well, just pray for me. Say, Lord, help me. But I want the truth. How about you? I can tell you this without any, any hesitation. The Lord would never be pleased with you being a part of a lie. The Lord would never tell you it is okay for you to deceive your children at all about anything. So, so well, it's all pretend. Do they know it's pretend? If they don't know, then I'm sorry. That's deception. And I can tell you that without even hesitation. The Lord would never tell you it is okay to be a partner at all to any lie or any deception. He is the truth. Right? The truth. Now, if you, if you get upset about some of these things... You want to ask yourself a real, a real a basic question. What are you defending? Who are you defending? And what would you be defending? Colossians 2.8, he says this. Colossians 2.8, are you there? Am I reading in the New Testament? Can you stay with me a little bit longer? Colossians 2.8, beware. What does that mean? Watch out. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after what? The tradition of men after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. 
not after Christ. Listen to the Amplified. See to it that no one carries you off as spoil and makes you captives by his so-called philosophy and intellectualism and vain deceit following human tradition. Men's ideas of the material rather than the spiritual world, just crude notions following rudimentary and elementary teachings of the universe and disregarding Christ the Messiah. Should we be on the watch for anything that is a substitute for the master that replaces him in the thoughts and and the minds and and words and doings of our our people, our our families, our our churches, our businesses? Hmm? I mean, it came up last year real strong that it was not politically correct to say Merry Christmas. That you're supposed to say happy holidays to include all the other uh, celebrations. Well, are we acknowledging other gods and other ways to heaven? I I know this is not politically correct. (laughs) But are we Christians? Do we believe that he is the only way? He's the only way. Right? What is Christ Mass without the Christ? <clears throat> he, he said, well, he said a lot of things. <laughs> I don't know that we can get into all of them today. But are we to be on the watch? Are we to be wary of? Traditions of men. What's the danger? Tell me again. What's the danger of them? He said. He said you have set aside the word of God in order to keep your tradition. I had a woman come down after service one day, and she was upset with me, and she said, uh, "She said, well, you said such and such and such and such," and I said, "Well, no." She said, "No, you did. I heard you." I said, "No," and I quoted the scripture. I said, that the verse said it. God said it. She said, well, well, well. She said, it's just like the old song says. I said, what? Who said? She said, the old song. And she quoted a song out of a hymnal that was unscriptural. I'm telling you, I'll quote from my father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin. He said, so much of the songs in our hymnals are embalmed with unbelief. (laughs) Now, many, many modern songs are just as bad. Just because you like the groove, you like the feel, you like the chord progression, you... Is not all there is to it. What are they saying? Where did they get it? Well, it's not exactly scripture, but it's a good thing. Is it? Is it? Or is it just something you've heard all your life that you've come to believe? I know when I first got to Ramah, 
The Lord challenged me and it changed my life. He said, son, examine everything you believe. Everything you, you believe, you hold to be true. When you realize that you believe it, I want you to find it in my word. Challenge yourself. And I thought, okay, all right. So I'd go along, a, a day or two would come out, I'd think, yeah, I believe that. And, and he'd come up, where's it at? Where's it at? So I'd get to looking. And thing after thing, I couldn't find it. And I thought, well, now I'm not, that's, I know that's true, because cause why? Because I heard a preacher say it years ago. And they got it in seminary, and they heard another preacher say it. But where's it at? Where is it? Where? Where's the scripture? And if you can't find it, should you be believing it? Should you be putting a lot of stuff into it and, and building it up? The danger of tradition is that it is a substitute for the real thing. Now, I want to I talk about this. Somebody says, well, Brother Keith, what am I going to do this evening? <laughs> or tomorrow. I'm not telling you what to do or trying to. I am saying don't just do stuff blindly that you have done before. I'm saying stop and ask yourself, why am I doing this? Why? Well, we've always done it. So big deal. They had been washing that way for generations. And Jesus was very displeased with them about it. He said, I never told you to do that. And they're setting aside his words in order to keep their tradition. If you, if you say, well, Brother Keith, what, what would you say is the, the meaning of Christmas? Well, is there supposed to be a Christmas is a question to ask. But I know there is a Christ. Amen. I know that. I know God so loved the whole world that he expressed this love for eternity by giving, 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 which is probably one reason we got into the giving presence deal. Right? Giving. And he gave us the most precious gift in all time and eternity. Glory to God. And Jesus gave us himself. Now, the great gift is not a thing. It is not money. It's a person. And he gave us himself. What's the greatest gift you can give to anybody? Yourself. Yourself. You can give people stuff and not give them any of yourself. Yourself. He gave us Himself. What can you give Him? Yourself. What can you give to other people that's the greatest gift? Yourself. Somebody say yourself. Yourself. Go with me to uh, Galatians. And I'm... I'm preparing to wind up here. <laughs> Bless the Lord. Galatians. I could have said a lot more about this thing, but I, I don't think it's necessary. I think you got the idea, right? You got the idea. 
But if, if you were to ask me, well, Brother Keith, well, if you had to give a definition of the meaning of Christmas, what would you say? I, I think of this verse, Galatians 6, 2, in addition to the one we started with. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. There was a time. What, what month it was, I don't know. I haven't heard anybody that act like they really know. What day it was, I don't know. But I know there was a virgin great with child. I believe this with all my heart. I believe there was no room for him in the regular places to stay. And she gave birth to the master in a lowly manger. There was a great star. Hallelujah. The angels appeared and sang. The shepherds by, you know, heard and saw these things. And what happened? What happened was prophecy that had been spoken for century after century came to pass. What happened was, what happened in the garden was fixed. Glory to God. The the fall of man has a solution. The separation of man from God has redemption in this baby. That grows up to be the man, the Christ, the Savior. What greater gift has ever been given than this gift? I, uh, you need to read this before you turn to that. Hold, hold your place there and, and go quickly to Second uh, Corinthians, I guess it is. Second Corinthians 9. It was on your way, I should have told you. 2 Corinthians 9 talks about giving through this whole chapter. Giving, giving, giving. And he talks about how your gift to the saints in verse 12. 2 Corinthians 9, 12. Your gift is going to supply their want and their need. It's going to result in thanksgivings to God. Verse 13, I'm reading in the New Living, says, You'll be glorifying God through your generous gifts. What's the greatest expression of love? Giving. You'll be glorifying God through your generous gifts. Your generosity to them will prove that you're obedient to the good news of Christ. And they'll pray for you with deep affection because of the wonderful grace of God shown through you. Thank God for His Son, a gift too wonderful for words. Say that out loud. It's up on the screen. Say it out loud. Thank God for His Son, a gift too wonderful for work. Oh, this goes far beyond train sets and clothes and jewelry and cars. I mean, this is the gift. The gift. It's, It's inexpressible in human tongue. What this gift is. We... We have barely scratched the surface of what God has given us. We're going to learn so much more about what has been given us after this life. But is it right to celebrate that God gave us a gift? Yes. And not just today and tomorrow, but yes, all the time. What He has given us. 
Is it right to make a big deal in a special time to tell your little ones about the gift that has been given to us? Yes. Don't let Santa Claus eclipse it. Are you with me now? And all you got to do is look in their little eyes and see which one they're more excited about. Well, they're just kids, brother. Tell the Lord all this. Don't, don't, don't even need to tell me. Tell him. The gift. Had you found Galatians yet? Is it right to, to make a big deal and be excited about the gift? Yes. Yes. Families getting together. Is that good? And loving each other? Yes. It's good. Not just in December. Right? We have each other for such a short amount of time. You know, take a moment and go through people that are in your life and think about, okay, if they weren't here tomorrow, how would that impact my life? I said, I don't want to think about it. You need to think about it. I said, you need to think about it. It'll help you know how to treat them right now. Because in a few days, they're not going to be in your life. You're not going to be in somebody else's life. So don't talk about that, brother. You need to look at this. We're here for this long. And you have time, opportunities to see people sometimes as part of time of the year that you don't other times. Think about it. If that person is not in your life at all anymore in this life tomorrow, how would that impact you? How does that affect you? Well, then that ought to affect how you treat them right now. Remind yourself of how important. Don't take anybody for granted. Treat everybody today so you have no regrets tomorrow. Right? I wish I'd have done that or I wish I hadn't have done that. Don't. It'd be too late. So, well, I did some of that and it's all past. Well, no, if they're in heaven especially, you'll see them again. But you can do something about who you're with today. Galatians 6, and I think I can close with this. Galatians 6, are you there? The meaning of a service about Christ, a time about the Christ, about the giving of the Christ. The Bible gives us what is called the law of the Christ. What would be the principle of? Of Christ. If, if there is to be a thing as Christmas, what should it be centered about and all about? The Christ. Right? What is the principle of the Christ? It's right here. Galatians 6. Galatians 6, 2. Are you there? Galatians 6, 2. What does it say? Bear ye one another's burdens. And so fulfill what? The law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? What did he do? What did the Christ do? The the baby that was born. Why, Why did Jesus come into the earth? He was on a course. From the moment he was born. For what? Where was he going? He was headed to the cross. Why? Why? Why was he tied to the scourge, scourging post? 
He took our infirmities. He bore and carried our sicknesses and our pains. The chastisement of our peace was on on Him. On Him. Do you hear all this? On Him. Did He carry your sins and bear the penalty and punishment of your sin? Yes, the Christ is the giving of a gift, but what, what is the, why is He anointed? To take the burden off of us. Glory to God. Why did He give Himself? Why did the Father give the greatest gift? Why did Jesus give Himself? So that He would be the sin sickness bearer. Now, now stay focused with me in just a few minutes. I believe this will help. Help tie this thing up today. What did the scripture say? Bear one another's what? Burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What are burdens? Let me say it to you in one word. Burden has to do with pressure. A burden is a load. If Dave had a burden on his shoulders, it's, that means something heavy, something that is a load. And how does that affect him? How does it affect him? Pressure on him. Is that right? What did Jesus come to do? Get the load off. Get the pressure off. So what does that have to do with sin? Everything. When you sin and miss God and your heart condemns you and you're guilty, what is it? What is it? Pressure. There's so much pressure on people for their mistakes and their messed up life. They want to die. They don't want to live. They can't face another day, they don't think. Pressure. Pressure. Sickness puts pressure on people. Debt puts pressure on people. And in places and homes where tradition has replaced the Word of God for Christmas, what do you see? Pressure. Pressure. There's pressure to travel. There's pressure for the big meal. There's pressure to spend money you don't feel like you have. There's pressure that they won't like it. There's pressure that they'll be upset. Pressure, pressure. None of this is of God. I can tell you that. The Lord's not putting any pressure on you to be somewhere on a certain time with a certain present. That is all man-fabricated tradition. But if you want to have a real Christmas, if there was such a thing, what would you do? You would let God use you to what? Get a load off of somebody. Oh, come on now. Do you see this? What is the law of the Christ? The principle of the Christ I am, the one who is like the Christ. What did he do? Yes, the gift was given. Yes, he came. Yes, he was born. Yes, it was glorious. But what, why? 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 To come and to carry your sins. Oh, do you see him with the cross on his back? Do you see him going up? 
to Golgotha. Do you see the weight of the sins of the world bearing down on him? And by the grace of God, he carried them. He carried them. He got them off of you. And he got them off of me. Oh, glory to God. Every pressure that life could put on us, that the devil or people or our sin could put on us, he has made provision to remove it and get the pressure off. If we were really wanting to honor him and celebrate the gift and celebrate the Christ, then we have to keep the law of the Christ first and forefront and center, which is what? You're looking this afternoon and you're looking tonight and you're going to be looking tomorrow to do what? To see what I'm going to get and if I'm going to be happy with it? No, no, get, get rid of that. Get delivered from that and teach your kids better than that. Well, there's so little they can learn. What does it mean to be a real Christian? Bear one another's burdens. That don't mean just get down in the ditch with them. What does it mean? Let's believe God. Let's get this thing off of them. Do they not know God and they got all this pressure of sin on them? Let's get them to God. Let's introduce them to Him. Let's tell them what He's done for them. Let's get this off of them. Have they lived a bad life? Have they sinned and messed themselves up? Let's tell them there is cleansing in the blood. He will forgive them. They can be free. Let's get this off of them. Get this pressure off of them. Yeah, but I got all this pressure on me that I got to be the breadwinner. No, God can be your provider. I got this pressure on me that I got to do this and I've got to be this. Who's putting it on you? Who's putting it on you? The Lord never told you that. He's not putting it on you. He's the burden bearer. The load lifter. And that's the ministry you call to. That's why we believe in God for money and big money and stuff. So if ministry needs something and and the pressure of it, that need is on them, we can go in there and help get it off. Right? A believer is under debt and under pressure and can't do this and that. You come in there and let God use you. Get that off of them. Sickness is pressing on them. You can be healed and get that off of you. Do you see it? Do you believe it? Stand to your feet, please.